LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Peter Blanch. I'm Mike Sams. And welcome to The One Thing. It's a podcast designed to give you one solid, great practical tip for gospel-centered ministry. We love to do it every single week. Now look, The One Thing is brought to you thanks to to Reach Australia. At Reach Australia, we do love seeing healthy, evangelistic, multiplying churches. We want to see thousands of them across the country. If we're going to reach Australia for Christ, we're going to need that. And today, you clicked on another episode of The One Thing. And today, we're focusing in on... Well, we're focused, what are we focusing in on, Mike? Uh, our church consults and our visits and what we see. That's right. Mike and I are both consultants for Reach Australia. We often go into churches and we wanted to share with you some of our reflections on some mm. of the trends, some of the health, some of the things that need attention that we're seeing regularly. Yeah. So, Mike, what are some of the, you know, some of the healthy, good things we're seeing? Oh, look, one of the... Big things is that when we go and visit churches, whether it's the staff, whether it's uh, lay, lay leaders and just regular members of the church, people genuinely want to know and, and see what the church is trying to achieve. That is, in other words, they want to see Matthew 28 play out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we actually see that being intentional about and being passionate about seeing churches increase in disciples and making more and more disciples as the heart of the church and paying attention to that. And that big outcome is a really good thing to lean into. And that's what the people in in, in the churches that we see want. Mm. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Because they do genuinely believe the scriptures. They want to follow Jesus, their king. King Jesus says, go and make disciples. And we want to see clearly those in ever-increasing numbers. And you're seeing, well, at least the churches that we see regularly... Uh, that desire is clearly there among the people. Yeah, but it also does bring out the fact that there there does need to be a sense of discontentment as well because we're not seeing that in the way that our yearning should be uh, for that. Yeah, under God. That's right. There is a always. It should always be this kind of godly discontentment, isn't it? We, we, if we are seeing some fruit, we want to see more fruit. Yeah, if that's right. We actually just want to see this happen more and more. And if we're not, if we're if we're slowing down in our church, we want to pay attention to that. If we're going well, we want to see more. So, Mike, you're seeing that not just amongst kind of pastoral staff in churches, but everyday members as well. Yeah, I think we see that see that consistently. The, the the question the question is really then, but we're not seeing that play out. And so, what things can we pay attention to? Yeah, uh, is a really you know a lot of where our consults go. Yeah, yeah. And look, Mike, we've seen lots of churches in the country, yep. in the cities. Yep. We've seen different Presbyterian churches, Anglican churches, FIC churches, Baptist churches. We've seen all sorts of churches mm. uh, across the country, different states, different sized towns and cities. Yeah, Mike, you said. Some things though we are seeing that need attention. Uh, what are some of the common things that you're noticing that churches ought to be paying attention to that the consults are continually throwing up? Yeah, there's a few things that are fairly common and they may play out a little bit differently. But one of the big things for a Sunday service, for example, is mm. I think we can say with great confidence across all our consultants is that we're not as good at welcoming as we think we are. Oh, uh, yeah. Tell me, what do you mean by that? What, what's making you say that, Mike? What are you noticing? That we're not as good as welcoming as maybe we think we are? What are you noticing? Oh, look, I think what happened, what uh, I mean by that is, is that uh, we generally want to actually welcome people in. We're not closed off and we're mm. not like a club that doesn't want people in. 
But the idea of just having a friendly, smiley face, if that happens, is sometimes the sum total of what can happen or we've had a nice conversation with someone but it doesn't go anywhere. So the next steps or inviting people into conversations and taking them beyond just a friendly smile, yep. uh, it's really varied across our churches. It is, isn't it? And the way that you kind of see that play out is our experiences is one thing, but also when we look at actually there are quite a lot of newcomers coming into our church. I mean, we want we we'd want more newcomers coming into our church, but if we but the link between the amount of newcomers coming and the amount of people staying and being onboarded into church is really quite low. Yeah, yeah. Can I just go back to those newcomers, Mike? Because I yeah. think there's a really important observation that you're making there. One of the things is that the maturity work in churches that people do, they want to see their people grow in Christ. We we realize that that's, that's a work that is, well, decades long. Well, it's yeah. until Jesus returns or people die. We, that's decades long work. But in the welcoming ministry of a church, there really is a key three or four minutes every single week that that team has just got to get right. And we're noticing it often it's not getting done right. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely fair to say. From the moment someone's trying to find your church in, into the car park, depending on the context mm-hmm. of where you are, to that first uh, faith and, and smile, to sitting down and, and that awkward feeling for those first few moments, as soon as we put on the kind of eyes of a newcomer coming to this strange thing, particularly if they're, not a, if they're a secular person, de-church person, yeah. not a Christian, where we're, we are kind of bringing them into a space that is really uncomfortable. And do we lean into making it more helpful or do yeah. we just kind of do things that we think are nice? And you've really got to make that feel much more comfortable as quickly as you can, which is why I'm saying that there's three or four minutes. Like the, the yeah. one minute when they first arrive and having a positive, healthy, good interaction, that first minute is so critical. But also at the, at the end of the service, isn't it, the... That first minute, straight after the end of the service, if they're sitting there by themselves, you sit by yourself for a minute and just feel just how long that is and everyone else is talking to other people and you're just feeling, well, left out. Yeah. Crucial couple of minutes of each Sunday to absolutely get right. And then how you onboard someone during the service and as a service leader and as the preacher and anyone who's getting up... uh, up on stage, how you onboard people to what's happening to for the for the uh, things that are happening in your church life to action non-Christian. Do you think about how you actually speak to someone who isn't a Christian up the front and onboard them, or do we want, or do we, by not paying attention to it, need them to jump through a few Christian hoops to understand the gospel or understand what the next yeah. opportunity to engage with us is? Yeah. yeah. So, Mike, you have been a newcomer at lots of churches when you go and do a, a, a church consult. Mm. Uh, I mean, what's your experience been of those opening moments of arriving, of the service finishes and what happens straight away? What's been your own experience? How often have churches got this right? How often have really you just been left by yourself for significant periods of time? Oh, more often than not, I'm, I'm left by myself or people don't know necessarily what to do with me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, sometimes it's just, just me by myself, um, they're um, feeling uncomfortable um and, and I think while I I'm coming in and people may know that who who I am, the pattern is really clear that for a lot of people, um, they can't do much more than an awkward smile. Uh, yeah, okay. And if we lent into uncomfortable conversations, that would be appreciated a lot more by people. Um, and if yeah. we actually onboarded our people to have a culture of that a lot more, and then had a little bit of a system and process for how we onboard people in next steps. We'd yeah. go a long way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My experience has been pretty much the same. The yeah. vast majority of churches I've been to this year, and I've been to lots of churches this year as a mm. newcomer, have, I've been minutes, 
five, sometimes ten minutes just by myself, mm. trying to be, look friendly, but still no one talking to me. Yeah. But one of the things I've noticed, though, Mike, is that when people finally pluck up the courage to come and say something to me, overwhelmingly it's been an enormously positive experience. People are genuinely friendly. Christian people, they're just lovely people, right? They really are. God's people are awesome and lovely but there's this barrier of actually genuinely, well, quickly engage, having the confidence to quickly engage with a newcomer. That seems to be what's lacking because when they do, it's excellent. Has, has that been your experience? too? hundred percent. And yeah. I think our, all our consultants who visit see that. And sometimes just trying to figure out with our people, what is the obstacle or barrier for them? Because it can be different. A fear of talking to new people. Mm. Um, or what if I muck it up? Um, I don't know what to say. All those kind of things are just to help engage with. And actually having someone take responsibility for that welcoming culture and the process in, in working on that is critical. Yeah, yeah. I, it's great to highlight, isn't it? Because mm. our experience has been, and you might be listening as a pastor of a church or a, a keen member of a church going, gee, we could, if you put some attention to the what's it like to be a newcomer at your church, but your people are excellent at welcoming them, they need confidence to do it quickly and to do it regularly because they really are great at it. But when it's left for a long periods of time, it's very unfriendly. And the last thing I'd say, Peter, is that the churches that do pay attention to it and do, do this well, is that they, they also say um, that when they just drop the ball on it or don't think about it for a period, you see it actually go backwards as well. It's not just because, yeah, we do pay attention to that yeah. and then don't continue to be intentional or think about what's next to continue yeah. to actually uh, pay attention to how we work with welcoming. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You've got to continually make it a priority. And make it consistent is one of the things I've noticed. I've certainly had had visits. We've had multiple people going and doing the the consult. And some people have had an awesome first-time experience. But someone else on the same team on the same day has just been left by themselves for a long period of time. A consistency here really matters. Absolutely. Yep. That you love every single new person. So that's enough about newcomers. There's something that you can easily pay attention to that we're seeing commonly it could be done better. Mike, what other things where you, are you seeing if either done really well or you think it is as a trend that needs attention? I think well, if we step out of Sunday, as we said, a chat about Sunday and welcoming, the, one of the biggest challenges, if not the biggest challenge for our churches, which will feed all of church and pay attention to the big outcomes we're looking for, is that we have a challenge with leadership development. Building mm. a leadership pipeline uh, is consistent. In nearly every church we visit, it'll be some aspect. And it might, may look different and be different across uh, what the leadership um, pipeline needs to be in a church, yeah. but we do not, uh, we haven't paid as good enough attention to that yeah, yeah. And, and worked into that space. Now, look, Mike, define some terms for me. What do sure. you mean by leadership development and what do you mean by leadership pipeline? Yep. So, one of the things we do, we look at we, we churches, we want to see how, how, how many people are serving and how they're going in and getting involved in, in, in church. But that's a very low level bar to just start to get get an idea of that. But actually, what when you think about um, from that level of someone doing something in church to help serve, we then want to be thinking about how we develop people into leading others serving. Yeah, and, and then how yes. that increases above the different layers of a church and the scale that you are, yep. that whether you've got teams, you're trying to get teams together, but actually haven't paid attention to having someone lead that little that team to actually your staff not really, really being developed at a, at a bigger church or having the staff have leaders underneath them who uh, can, can, can be uh, developed and led. And so actually thinking through what a person needs to lead others well. And this, this isn't just a top level getting people into MTS and that's part of sometimes the challenge or, or getting uh, staff. It's also having people in your church who are keen to serve 
develop as leaders in your church and leading teams. Yeah, okay. So the leadership pipeline, the reason it really matters is because we cannot grow the capacity of our ministry or our gospel footprint unless we have leaders developed to actually lead ministries. And so you don't have a good leadership or development or pipeline, then in the long run, it will limit the amount of, well, the, the footprint size of your gospel Absolutely. ministry. Yeah, a simple way of saying it is pretty much no church says, yeah, we've got enough people serving and involved in church. <laughs> that, yeah. that pretty much doesn't happen. And if you think about the future and where you want to grow, it definitely doesn't. A leadership pipeline is the thing that helps you pay attention to that yep. and to try and build your resources of people. Now, a good insight into this, Mike, I do want to ask you about it, is sometimes that can be happening because, well, the regular member isn't keen to step up in the leadership. But are you noticing trends where pastors and leaders of churches are actually accidentally sabotaging the leadership pipeline? I We can because it, for, for an array of reasons, we, ha- we just haven't... Uh, thought about or resourced ourselves in how to how to uh, think about these things or sometimes it's also because uh, we step into the ministry yeah, too much yeah. and don't enable others i think that's a common thing that we have noticed uh, it's not everywhere but common yeah. enough yeah, yeah common enough. Been too, yeah is, that's a fair way is where uh church leaders are quite rightly keen to see the ministry grow and they get themselves in the ministry but they never work on the capacity of the ministry to grow leaders they actually just end up very often driving everything themselves and yeah yeah and, and can, it can be lots of good stuff is happening in this space but probably as a trend it's kind of ad hoc or as i pay attention to it or of particular pastors that's something that they like leaning into that it mm, happens mm. Uh, but instead of it being as something that we consistently think through how we pay attention to it and work on it, it it's not as uh thriving as you'd like to see i think yeah yeah absolutely now, what else? What else? What else have you been noticing? Yeah, look, when it comes to uh, the, the leadership of a church, so whether you've got a single pastor with lay leaders, with elders, or whatever denomination, how it's structured, uh, or whether you've got uh, a large staff team, the leadership of a church. Paying so you're a, saying like big church with large staff team, or even a small church. Yeah, a small church with a single pastor who's volunteers. got a leadership of volunteers. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Within that, in both of those situations, what are you noticing? We're not paying enough attention to team dynamics and uh, team health. What do you mean? It's what? undervalued, is what I mean. What is that it? is to say, um, how we engage with each other, mm. fostering healthy relationships in a team context uh, when we're trying to achieve something. Mm-hmm which is what you do in, in ministry, in any task really, but in, in ministry when we're working towards uh, something for the sake of the gospel, paying attention to uh, how we operate together, uh, the productivity and how we do that and how we relate together, it's, I, I think it's fair to say it's undervalued. And often if there's significant hot spots in a church that are struggles, we can see that come back to, in some way, team health, team dynamics. Mm. That, that's a fairly common uh, thing. And then with churches that are actually thriving and going pretty well, we'd, I think we can still say pretty consistently that uh, keeping the health and function, function going well, there's not, there's not enough attention paid to it. It's almost like we assume mm. because we're Christians and we value relationships and we care for, each one, care for one another you know, in that Christian context, uh, growing in Christ, that this will happen. We just assume our team will thrive and function well because we're Christian. But you're actually saying what you're noticing is that sometimes healthy team relationships and healthy team life isn't, well, the dynamics of the team isn't paid attention to. It's just assumed. And when it's just assumed, it can 
well, actually can go downhill quickly. It can. And paying attention to it as not a when there's a problem or potential problem, but yeah. by building a healthy... We, we pay attention to how we're operating as a team because this is where we spend most of our time doing ministry together. So, of course, when you step back and think about it, of course we would lean into how we can actually love and care for each other well. And to do that, paying attention to how a team functions well, how yeah. when we do our meetings well, how we actually relate to each other in a healthy way. Not... And it's not, it's not actually understanding you've just got to be super relational and really like each other. It's not yeah. to that extreme. It's understanding how we can have a good, healthy balance of good team-appropriate relationships while seeking to achieve the things we're working towards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good, isn't it? Because you don't... A healthy team can, well, gets good, thinks clearly about what they're aiming for and works hard to see those outcomes reached. But at the same time, they don't do that at the cost of such poor relationships because all they're worried about is, well, the outcome. Mm. A healthy team actually uh, pays attention to both. Actually, you see that regularly, don't you? Healthy teams are very clear about what they're trying to do for the kingdom. Yep. Or And also at the same time, very clear on making sure the team dynamics is so profoundly healthy that they're all so much at ease with each other that they actually work so well together that well, there's even more capacity because their team dynamics is so good. There's a difference between building trust in a team and assuming it. Yeah. And, and that's sometimes where the, the, the first problem lies. And of course, you'd apply this. this is not, the reason this applies not just to big churches with multiple staff teams, but this can happen in a single pastor church with a group of elders or whatever they call their leadership team. That level of trust and team dynamics needs to be there in that team as well. This is not just a staff team at this point. Absolutely. In some ways, it's even more critical to think about it because you've got yes. less time with people. They've got full-time jobs and they're working. So when you're together, you've even got less time to actually invest in these things. So to be even more intentional about it, it's just yeah. as important. In church. It matters in a bigger church with a multiple staff team, but it clearly very much matters in a smaller church. And it also has that wrinkle of extra well, less time in which to give it to attention because everyone, lots of That's people right. are volunteering. Yeah. Okay, if you're out there listening and your team dynamics aren't great, pay attention to it. Uh, we'll give you some resources a bit later on that can help there. So like we call this the one thing and we love to leave people with one clear, solid bit of advice. What are you, what's the one thing you want to say to churches across this country? Don't just assume you're paying attention to certain things that you're intentional about the outcomes that you're trying to achieve, gospel outcomes that you're working towards, and then you're intentionally figuring out the best way for your church to apply the resources that you have to achieve those outcomes. Excellent. We're talking about resources. We want to leave you with some ideas, some resources that you could tap into to help your church pay deliberate, focused attention to things next year. You'd have heard us talk about Team Dynamics there's the book by, it's a classic book really by Patrick Lencioni on the five dysfunctions of a team. That can really help you pay close attention to team dynamics. That's a great resource. We talked about the need to t- t- apply or think carefully through uh, building a pipeline of leadership. Reach Australia does run Building Leaders Days hmm. where we deliberately can come to your church and help you and hopefully the churches around you think into how to pay attention to building leaders in your church and building a pipeline of leaders for generations. Go to the Reach Australia website. You'll find out more there about the Building Leaders Days. And of course, Reach Australia runs consults. One of the things that's where these information's coming out of, Reach Australia loves to run consults where we can come to your church 
think carefully, meet with your leaders, meet with you, think carefully about your past, present and then into the future. Spend a couple of days with you and your teams and to, to consider your church as it is right now, but also critically importantly, thinking through how can we best multiply our ministries, be more deliberate, intentional, evangelistic, multiplying into the future. Head to the Reach Australia website, reachaustralia.com.au and you can find out all about the consults there. My name's Peter Blanche. I'm Mike Sands. Chat soon. Thank you.